0: So we began a, a couple of weeks ago a, a little series on the church. Uh, what is this thing that we are uh, passionate about doing? Uh, we asked ourselves the questions like what is it that uh, you know our my my wife invests uh, so much for uh, in in kids' ministry down there uh... what is it that people get here so early to do uh... set up the sound uh... create the environment create this space Gather worship, rehearse musicians, all of the stuff that we do, like like all of the mechanics, all the nitty gritty. uh, The person who got here earlier and and made the coffee, you know, why are we passionate about doing this? Why are we passionate about gathering together, paying a little bit of money to rent a space so that we can all be under one roof together? And why are we doing it in the in the context of um, a society that, in to some degree, is is abandoning that practice? Right. If you look just statistically. At, um, at what's happening in terms of attendance, and I'm not really expecting that you'll be able to read that in detail, but what you see there in those graphs is a, a decline in attendance or involvement or association with uh, faith in various groups so on on you start with the protestant church and it went down from 41 percent to 27 percent uh catholic church down from 47 percent to 39 percent those who would be part of another religion in canada up from four percent to 11 and then when you look uh, at the big picture uh, when you look at those who would not associate with any faith group at all that number's grown hugely uh, between 1971 and 2011 Again, these are a little bit old statistics. Uh, that, that group's gone from 4 to 24%. So we we look at some of these statistics, and we look at this sort of picture of the church, the snapshot of it statistically, and we just know from our neighbors and friends that less people are, are connecting with faith, less people are are worshiping, it. and so we wrestle with, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we passionate about it? Uh, looking a little bit deeper uh... into religious attendance in canada in the u.s. just to give you that snapshot it's forty six percent in the u.s. at this point but now twenty seven percent in canada um... you'll see those numbers sort of stabilizing this decline up to two thousand and then a bit of a stabilization in the numbers um, and then looking in canada you see you know a radical decline and you can't really see it it's light blue but from quebec uh... forty eight percent all the way down to seventeen percent in those in over those years, that's a significant drop in attendance uh, in people who would say that they would go and this is and this interestingly enough is people who would say that they would attend a religious service once a month. I'm shooting for once a week. <laughs> I would like you all to be shooting for once a week. Just let it be said, uh, because there's something about the rhythms of faithfulness and, and just having that rhythm of worship and connection with Jesus constantly in your life that's just a huge value. But uh, lot, lots to talk about there, but you know what, those aren't really even, I mean they're statistics for us, but they're not just statistics, they're, they're real stories of pain and joy. Right we know our own story as a church and and this many of you know the stories of your families. Many of you maybe who are uh, more mature in age would remember time when your whole family went to church together and now your kids don't go to church like you used to go to church. Or some of you might remember you know friends and family that you used to went go to church with in youth group and all of a sudden they're not in that. Seen anymore. They're not worshiping Jesus. Uh, there's stories of relationships. Uh, there's stories even in our own community people who we really, really love and really walk closely with uh, that, that just simply uh, maybe have attended OVV for five, six, seven, eight years and now don't attend church at all anywhere. And and, and it's my, it's, Michelle's saying it's my fault. She's saying it's, and, but, but honestly, that's I'm going to cry now. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, honestly, though, that, that, that's a tremendous wrestle. <laughs> that, that, that's a tremendous wrestle. You're fine, Michelle, you're totally fine. You're all good, right? But, but, but isn't that a thing, like, for me as a pastor and for you guys as a church, I'm still asked where some of those people are and if they're going to church and if they're following Jesus. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not a thing that's a light thing for us, right? Those people that we walked so deeply with. You know, we feel pain over their loss, and we wrestle with, what did we do wrong? What, what, what did we miss? Did we hurt them? And we try to have those hard conversations, and, and we don't always get answers. It, it's just a wrestle that, that there are people who leave the church. There's, there's pain in this journey. It's not just statistics, it's real people, it's real life. And then there's joy in the journey. All of a sudden, at the same time, you have Kenyon and Dennis giving their lives to Jesus and following him and and worshiping him and learning to love him and being baptized. So we have this story of joy and pain that that happens in the church all all the time. But the question for me and all of that, in particular through some of the pain of of the last couple of years of losing some people that we loved so dearly, is, is really for me a deep wrestling around the question of why do we gather together? If there are people who don't want to gather with us regularly, then, then, then I better ask that question myself. Like, why, why do I want this so bad? Why do I fight for this so hard? Like, as a person, like, like why is it that I am so heavily invested in gathering believers together to encounter Jesus? Why, why am I 100% sold on this? Like, there's, there's not a single thing in me that doesn't want to be here every Sunday morning. There's nothing. Like, there's 0% of me that wants to stay home in bed. 0% of me. Like, like I'm all in with this. But why am I all in? Like, does it make sense? Am I, am I invested in something that's reasonable and rational? Like like, or am I just off my nut honestly it 's a question i 've had to ask myself through the pain and, and Dane thinks i 'm off my, my nut life, my life, yeah. <laughs> oh thanks buddy uh, so so so, I began to to wrestle with some of these questions, like like what do I believe in this for? What is this thing really about and And we talked about it last week we 've been talking about it at a leadership level we 've been talking about it. Um, you know, with, uh, with our staff. And we've been trying to sort of personally for me and for us as a community articulate our vision for, for being together. Why do we want to be together? And this, with maybe some alterations to come and maybe some tweaks to come, for me, this is ultimately where I've landed as, as why I do this thing, why I'm invested in this thing, why I'm passionate about it. We do this to encounter Jesus. Together, expecting what he has done and what he is doing to change us, to transform us, to change us and propel us to facilitate that encounter for others. Now, that's just, I mean, that can just be gobbledygook when you hear a thing like that. But we long, I long to encounter Jesus. I am here with you In the hopes that you are also here with me with a passion to have an authentic encounter with the person Jesus. Uh, A relationship that is ongoing, it is frequent, it is interactive, it is relational, it is tangible, and it, it touches me in my mind, it touches me in my emotions, and it's meant to touch me in my body physically. And it's meant to touch me in my spirit. I'm meant to encounter Jesus on all those levels. And that's what I'm passionate about. And we have to encounter Jesus together. Uh, Our gathering means being called out from among ourselves, called out from individuality to be gathered together. Our need is for intentional community. (laughs) And, and the nature of the spiritual bond that we have with one another is something that I think is, is not well understood in the church, that there's a connectedness to us in the body of Christ that, that I think is, is not fully understood. There's something to wrestle with there about the importance of us not only connecting with Jesus and encountering him, but something important about us encountering him together. Uh, we encounter what he's done and what he's doing, so we encounter the accomplished work of Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross for us where he died there and, and dealt with our sin, and where he rose from the grave and and brought new life. Like, it's like a big story, and it's something that happened in history, and our encounter with that is something that uh, changes us. It changes our worldview. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we see things. It gives us hope when everybody else is in darkness. It, it's a calling us specifically forward to... Uh, an activity of seeking and relating with him now, not who just was, is in, in history, but who is now present and alive and at work in the world. So he is not just historical, he is someone who is doing things in the world, that his kingdom is advancing, that through his spirit he speaks to us, he wants to relate to us, he wants to uh, connect with us, this relationship isn't with a God who's far away, but with a God who's near. He has done things, and he is doing things. And that encounter with him is meant to change us. So when we come together, we don't come with the expectation that we, who we are, will remain who we are having encountered him. When we encounter him, we expect that to change us. We expect that to make us different. We don't come to take a little bit of him and somehow consume it and somehow take it into ourselves, uh, process it to learn something, package it up, and keep it somehow separate from who we are, separate from our, our identity. This connection with Jesus, these encounters with Jesus, impact our identity at its deepest level. It changes who we are. And we have to come with the expectation that who we are changes. He loves us exactly the way we are, accepts us exactly the way we are, saves us exactly the way we are, and walks with us as we become more like him. We're transformed in the journey. Transformed in the journey. And, and, and just, just realize that, that that change isn't just for us. It's not a change that is just for me. It's not so that I can say I got more Jesus-like. That's a pretty good thing to get more Jesus-like. Like, it's a pretty awesome thing. But, but I'm, I'm not being changed just to be more Jesus-like. That change propels me to do something. And when we say propels, it means it both motivates us and empowers us. It motivates us and empowers us. To do something, to act a different way. And that way in which we're called to act, and we see it all over the scriptures, is to simply be people who facilitate that same connection with others, to facilitate that same encounter with Jesus. And that cycle continues. We facilitate an encounter. And by facilitate, we mean we serve, we practically create spaces where people can encounter Jesus, we do hospitality, we do generosity. We do care for the poor. We do social justice, all with the idea that we're helping people encounter that person, Jesus. Both in how we demonstrate him and how we speak about him. But even more so in just creating that opportunity and space where people can have that personal encounter for themselves. We're facilitating that relationship. And then that idea of others important. Who are your others? They're the people who make you uncomfortable. They are the people who uh, are different from you. They're the people who are different from you culturally. They're the people who are different from you demographically. They're the people who are different from you economically. Your others are truly other. We don't get to pick our others. And by definition, our others are not the same as us. So there's a call to an inclusivity. There's a call to uh, a relationship with people that stretches us uh, beyond, beyond our comfort zone. Uh, we are multi-generational. We are multicultural. That's who we're meant to be. Now before we read that again, uh, I hopefully I haven't oversold this, or I haven't sold this as something that is a product that we can consume. As before we read that again, Uh, We're not introducing a new product or a new vision that we intend to provide for people's consumption. We're not saying, hey, this is the new OVV. Come and gather around and look at it. It's really nice. That's not what we're about, right? We're about inviting people to passionately pursue something with us. To passionately pursue something with us. Our investment and our expectation and intentionality are everything. requires our investment it requires an expectation that that idea of encountering jesus is something that uh that we have to come to the table with when we come it's both about what we do and how we as a church organize ourselves how we as a church structure our services how we facilitate our gatherings but it's also about what the people who come and attend expect to happen and that's having a relationship with jesus And connecting with him. And so that's what we want to call ourselves to. For me, that's what I'm I'm passionate about. To encounter Jesus together. Expecting what he has done and what he is doing to change us and propel us to facilitate that encounter for others. So this morning we want to just talk about that piece of encounter. What does that really mean to encounter Jesus? What does it mean? What does it mean to encounter Jesus? It's it's, it's a word that is is kind of used in culture for all kinds of different things, uh, retreats and business retreats and uh, close encounters of the third kind, you know, <laughs> like all kinds of different things. Uh, the definition from the dictionary perspective is to unexpectedly experience or be faced with something different or challenging. Talked about that a few weeks ago too unexpectedly experience or face with something different or challenging. I might say uh, for us to intentionally experience something different or challenging. To come with an intention to experience this person of Jesus who challenges us, who's different from us, who's high and holy. So for me, um, encounter uh, was something I learned about when I was, uh, when I was a, young, a young man. Uh, I grew up in the church. I grew up uh, going to a uh, little Baptist church in Saskatchewan, a uh, wonderful, wonderful place, a short time in a United Church in Saskatoon. Uh, ended up moving to Ontario and attending Canada Baptist Church in Canada, and all of that time uh, my my idea of encountering Jesus was almost purely cognitive. My idea of encountering Jesus was I would learn something about him, I would learn uh, a new piece of theology, I would learn a new thought from a hymn, I would learn a new song, and those things are completely valid ways of encountering Jesus but uh, I, I began to realize that there was something more, and, and when that really culminated for me, when it was when I was 17 years old, and I'm a Christian kid, and you've heard me tell the story. I'm not going to tell it in full. Uh, but when I'm 17 years old and Christmas is coming, it's on the 23rd of December, and I opened my Bible to read uh, the scriptures because I figure I should read the Christmas story, and, and all of a sudden God comes in my room. And all of a sudden there's a sense of the tangible presence of God that's different than just an idea there's a sense of his voice speaking to me and calling me to ministry Uh, all of a sudden God is not just the God on the page he's not just the God Uh, that we sing about but all of a sudden he's the god that's in the room and that was a dramatic encounter for me but but possibly more formative even and more dramatic still for me was what happened afterwards because that god who was in my room uh, who came and talked to me it gave me an incredible sense of of connection, of belonging, of the reality of relationship with God. uh, That was amazing. But it also gave me a wonderful sense that I was the only one who had it and how much awesomer I was than everybody else. (laughs) Right? So God began to play a game with me. He played a game with me of hide-and-seek in church on Sunday mornings. Because I was a super religious, passionate guy at this point. I was starting a Christian fellowship group in my high school. And I was just like, I'm encountering the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm receiving his gifts. That's so amazing. Those stinking Baptists, they don't don't have that at all. Honestly, a rotten, rotten, filthy attitude. Right? So God started to play hide and seek with me in church. And so I'd be in my little Baptist church with my parents and hanging out there and... uh, I would, uh, I would be, you know, singing a hymn or something, and a little line would come up in the hymnal that would be just a piece of theology or a piece of, of, of some information about the incarnation of God and the importance of it. And I would connect cognitively with the beauty of that idea. And then Amber will remember this from church. She probably saw me doing it because she'd be sitting beside me in the pews. So I would connect with this idea cognitively, and then all of a sudden God would go, bounce. And he would like land on me in the middle of my sweet little Baptist church. And, and I begin to weep like an idiot. <laughs> Connecting now emotionally and spiritually with the person of Jesus in my Baptist church. And then all of a sudden another week I would be uh, there and we would be doing one of the responsive readings. And responsive readings are so religious and so silly to just do those responsive readings it's just a religious thing that we do it doesn't mean anything just repeat the words and get on with it you know hopefully the sermon's good except somewhere in the middle of a responsive reading would be a little piece a little god thought a little idea about the love of god and god would go boom and pounce and all of a sudden in the middle of the responsive reading i'd be weeping like an idiot in my nice little baptist church And what I found was that over time, my expectation of what church was to be radically changed. No longer did I expect it to be uh, a place where I would just come uh, out of duty and out of uh, rote or, or out of some sort of religious expectation. It all of a sudden became the place where I was going to meet Jesus and he was going to change me. It became an incredibly different experience. And that's what I long for for our culture, is that we would come to be people who would anticipate that when we gather in the presence of God, in his name, where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there, that he would really be there. And we would expect it. And that for you, every single Sunday, you're here with that expectation in your heart. At some point in the middle of worship, when we're singing some song, God would go pounce. <laughs> and you would encounter the reality and the beauty of Jesus in a way that's transformative. Because he's not an idea, he's a person. Here in this place, and he's sneaking up on you. He wants that relationship with you. He wants that intimacy with you, no matter how much uh, baggage we have around church. So how do we encounter him in this space? Well, obviously the worship encounter is important. And, and I'm just going to share a worship encounter from the book of John, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, which, which I, I see as one of the most intimate worship encounters in the New Testament, and, and it's actually startling. Uh, to us, and, and it speaks to what I felt like in that little Baptist church. And it speaks to what, uh, what I, I feel like almost every Sunday as I come here to encounter Jesus. And so here we are. This is just before the Passover. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So he's in the middle of this community where he's done miracles. He was known. He was loved. He had raised Lazarus from the dead. People were fairly excited about him at that point. Um, And here a dinner was given in his honor. So they're there to to honor him and to thank him. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Like imagine that, chilling around, having supper with Jesus and the guy he raised from the dead. Like like that's a dinner I want to get to. I'll buy a ticket for that one. Right? Like come on. Yeah, Yeah, come on. Like it's fantastic. But then Mary responds in a very different way than just Eating dinner and chilling with them, right? Listen to a, how Mary responds to the sense of the presence of Jesus in the room. So then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. Uh, Mary had been uh, a prostitute. And she had uh, been a temple prostitute probably and received many, many gifts over the years. Uh, she turned her life around. She was no longer doing that. She was following Jesus. She was one of his disciples. She was a person who was herself transformed. But she had these savings, about a year's wages worth. And she took this perfume and he poured, she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. That's what I want for us in worship. Those moments for you where you're here and the band is playing. Uh, I mean, this, this, this Sunday I'm playing acoustic guitar. Uh, there was a mix-up in the scheduling. I didn't know I was playing until 10 o'clock this morning. Like, we're not talking about a perfect worship band experience. We did not, I promise you, we did not bring anybody here to experience the band. But the hope is that in this place, while dinner is going on, while this table is set, and while you guys are all gathered, there will be a moment for you in the middle of the room while everybody else is chilling, reclining at the table where you feel singled out in that moment and compelled by the love and passion that is in your heart to pour yourself out in a costly way for Jesus because you love him. And you are overcome by that sense of love for him. For what he has done for you. And who he is. That Jesus is in the room. That Jesus is here in this space. When we gather together every Sunday morning. Will you expect to encounter him? To encounter that Jesus in a tangible way. Uh, later on in the New Testament, uh, in Paul's writings, both in Colossians and Ephesians, he talks about worship in an even broader way than that. He says, let, listen to this. Listen to what he's saying. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now let me put that together. One, let the message of Christ dwell within you richly. And if you unpack what that phrase means, the message of Christ, it's like let the package of Christ dwell with you richly. It's not just let the words about Jesus dwell with you richly. It's let the whole package of who Jesus is dwell with you richly, if you're uh, pulling out the Greek there. And let it dwell among you. And and I think this is just amazing. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the songs and hymns from the Spirit that you're singing to God. So through the stuff. That we are singing to God, we are admonishing one another, we're being taught by one another, we're being transformed in this presence, not only by the vertical relationship, but also by the horizontal relationship. These words and songs that we sing are meant to be something that instruct us as we sing them to God and others in this place here, that they're admonished and transformed. A solo worship experience in the car, I promise you when you're driving down the road listening to iTunes, is phenomenal. But so instructive is corporate worship. Corporate worship is meant to teach us and transform us. As we sing to God, together we're changed. That's why we believe in gathering people together to worship and sing. God implants his word in us. He changes us. He transforms us. But it requires an intimacy, a choice to be intimate with Jesus, to sing. In the presence of all these people, we don't sing to them. We sing to God. And the horizontal happens. But we sing to God. We are not just singing songs about him. We are singing songs to him. This encounter of worship is like Mary in that room where she breaks the pint of nard and washes Jesus' feet with her hair. It's an intimate experience in community, and allowing ourselves to be intimate with Jesus in the context of family is what's instructive and transformative for us. It's so important for us to gather. It's so important for us to gather. And not only do we have encounters of worship, we have encounters with the Word. When we read the Scriptures, uh, when we uh, pray the Scriptures, uh, when we preach uh, from the Scriptures, uh, James 1 says this, 25, But the one who looks into the perfect mirror of God's Word. Imagine thinking of God's Word as as not just uh, an information delivery system, but a mirror through which you see yourself. The word of liberty, so that it gives us freedom. Seeing ourselves through the scriptures actually releases freedom in us. And making a habit of doing so. Like, I love that James is just laying it on thick here. Not just occasionally, not just Bible roulette. Like, not just, like, you don't want to have a habit of reading the scriptures. You don't just want to just read them, like, every morning. That's so religious. You should just do it when you feel like it. But James calls us to a habit of it. Like, like a habit of, of, not just a habit of like reading it by rote or, or or checking off a box, but a habit of encountering the mirror. A habit of encountering the person of Jesus in the scripture. And, and the one who makes the habit of doing so is not the one who sees and forgets. Because part of seeing the mirror is you look in it and you see who you were. You see what it's made you and you see where you're going. And that person puts the word into practice practice and wins true happiness that we see that encounter with the word we see jesus in it we allow it to transform us and joy comes and if you're ever in doubt about whether jesus is in his word or not um, what john was saying uh, in part talking about uh, the greek concept of logos and in part talking about the whole i think of the hebrew scriptures at the time uh, what john was saying in john chapter one is this in the beginning was the word And the word was God, was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And who is this word thing that he's talking about anyway? It's Jesus. He explains it in verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. When we encounter this written word, we expect the person of Jesus who walked and talked on the earth to speak through this book to us, to show us who we are and to change us. And when we preach uh, through this sermon, my hope, my prayer is that there will not be just empty words flowing from me to you or from Doug when he preaches or Anna or Jake or whoever else preaches in this place, that it won't be just words coming at you or knowledge coming at you, but when we read these scriptures, it will be the presence of Jesus coming at you. We, we gather habitually to encounter the word of God together. And there's more encounters, and and there's just not time to unpack them all. There's encounters of ministry when we lay hands on one another, we pray for one another, we pray for the sick, uh, we care for the weak and the wounded among us. We expect that as we pray for one another, our hearts will be transformed, that our issues will be dealt with. I've seen, honestly, in one ministry encounter, five years of therapy happen in a person. I mean, and I believe honestly that sometimes it's just work and therapy and, and counseling. I honestly believe in that whole, that whole picture. But sometimes there's an acceleration as the Lord heals the heart and reveals his truth to us and transforms us in the moment by his word as we pray for one another. We've seen physical healings. We believe in this ministry encounter. And it's not just an encounter with uh, another person. It's an encounter with Jesus. We encounter him as we pray. We encounter. Did you not encounter Jesus as you heard Kenyon's story today? Did you encounter the work of Jesus in Kenyon's life? Did you not meet the God who does stuff this morning when Kenyon told his story? The God who does stuff. That's why we gather, to hear one another's story. We gather because of the Eucharist, that when we gather to do communion with the bread and the wine, we connect with these incredible symbols, the reality of Jesus' life, the symbol of bread that we take into ourselves. As we, as we digest it, we're saying to the Lord, we need your life, your word inside of us. And as we take the wine, we say to the Lord, uh, we need your salvation. And something not only uh, symbolic happens, but something transactional happens. Uh, The human encounter. When iron sharpens iron, like iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. How many of you know that it's just good to be with people you don't like all that much? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, come on, the bumping and jostling in community grows us. We're not perfect in relationships. We deal with conflict all the time. We deal with struggle all the time. Trying to bring a community of people together isn't easy. We have tremendously diverse backgrounds tremendously diverse stories and struggles and we have to bring those together and let those people in the story of Jesus in their lives rub on us and shape us he uses us like stones in a tumbler uh, you know those polishing tumblers where you polish stones that's what, that's what church is meant to be in many cases. You get thrown with a whole bunch of different stones and a drum and some polishing compound goes in there and God turns it on for the next 40, 50 years of your life. <laughs> and eventually it smooths off the rough edges. We're transformed as we bump up into people. Uh, we don't just need uh, Jesus spiritually. We need Jesus with skin on him. We need, I, I need the Jesus that's in you. I need the Jesus that lives in you. I need your story. I need it. And then there's this encounter. We just can't say how important it is. There is a moment for each of us where we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, where we've come to meet him a little bit. We've come to know him a little bit. We've come to believe that maybe he's real. There's a moment that happens for every one of us where we say, you know what, I'm deciding to follow him where we cross from death to life. Hallelujah. Where we're converted from someone who would say we're a non-Christian to someone who would say that we're a Christian. I was not a follower of Jesus, but now I am a follower of Jesus. And, the, and that encounter with the presence of Jesus is something that's so important for some of us. It's so important for, It has been important for all of us. So we come back to our, the text that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Uh, 2 Corinthians, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Celebrate that freedom. And then I I just want to unpack this again. And we all together, who with each other's unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are all being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. That's not just when we encounter the Lord's glory. It's when we all together encounter the Lord's glory. What Paul is talking about here in the whole context of 2 Corinthians is a letter to help the church get along together. And so what he's talking about in this passage is that same thing. He's not talking about an individual encounter with Jesus. He's talking about the corporate gathered encounter with Jesus. When we all together, and you see that in the, in the original language much more clearly than you do in the, in the Greek, or in the uh, English. Um, And then just this thought. Uh, This church, Peter and I, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That word church that that we love, that we are trying to build, that you are, that every church in Carlton Place is, and that every gathering around the world is, is a gathering of citizens called out from their homes called out from individuality called out into the marketplace to hear something together that word was used by uh, by roman uh, leaders who would come into a town to make a proclamation and they would have an ecclesia where everybody would come into the center of town into the center square and gather together to hear something together and that's the greatest image of the church ever we come out from our individuality we come out from our homes we come out from our quiet places we gather to encounter Jesus together we are the church we are the ecclesia let's stand up Father I pray for uh, every one of us here Uh, I I pray especially, Father, for those who are just hungry for an encounter with you. That encountering you or, or, or experiencing relationship with you has been something that seemed hard, where you felt distant to them. They've maybe felt like they've disqualified themselves, that you couldn't possibly want to be with them, and Or all of the different struggles that we humans have in connecting with you. Lord, I just ask that you would come by your spirit, by your power. And that you would grow inside of us an expectation that when we gather, that you gather with us. That you long to encounter with us. You long to pounce on us. You long for that moment of intimacy and worship. You long for that moment when we see ourselves reflected in your face as it's presented in the word of God. Where we encounter you in ministry and you heal our hearts. We long to encounter you. We're all about it. Continually, weekly, habitually, we long to encounter you, Jesus. Would you transform us? Would you change us? Would you give us the courage of Mary to take that costly gift of our hearts and to break them at your feet? With everybody watching, unashamed, unhindered, free to worship you with passion. Would you release that in us, Lord, we pray. And Lord, for everybody here this morning who feels that call to relationship, that passionate call of you to encounter them, everyone who's, who's been holding you at bay, who needs to make that decision to say, I will be a new person, to say, I will let you be Lord of my life, Jesus. I'm willing to uh, take that step and say that, that, that I'm your child. For everybody who's wrestling with that and has been wrestling with that, Lord, would you just invite them gently and kindly to give their hearts to you? We just say, Lord, that that you can be trusted with our hearts. You are so kind and you are so gentle. Bless us, Lord, for this incredible game of hide and seek with you, we pray in Jesus' name.